Welcome everyone, we're about to begin Be'eses Hashem, BPJ, number 74. That's Bayez Panimi, joint shear, shear number 74. We are going to continue talking about marital intimacy, primarily taken from an author of Ram Peretz Friedman. And we're talking now about the idea of Tama de Isura. The idea that the Torah addresses this concept of that which is forbidden creates a special desire towards it. And the Torah knows that as human nature and works through it to counteract that issue. <clears throat> so he first explains something fascinating that it's Kedai to know, even though it's history already, but it has such a tremendous yesaid to it that could that pertains to what we're talking about now that it's Kedai to discuss it. So in the United States, in the 1920s and the 1930s, there was a phenomenon called the Prohibition, which means they saw what alcohol does to society, the drinking of wine, beer, whiskey, and they sought to eliminate it entirely, wipe out alcohol consumptions. No wine, no whiskey. They looked through the history of how destructive it is, and they forbade alcohol use altogether for the most part. And they meant well, but it was misguided. What happened was, is because they did this, there was an increase per capita, per, per individual, there was an increase in alcohol use and created much more issues, worse than it was what was originally, far worse than those they had originally sought to eliminate. So you see here a fascinating thing that you could have good intentions, and you could have disastrous results with the good intentions. So why, though? Why did their good intentions to eliminate alcohol, which is so destructive, why did it create such terrible results? So number one is that the prohibition did not take into account the opposing forces in human nature and the fact that we're fascinated with the forbidden. People who normally would drink wine occasionally by a meal, they would, could not be civil, they will not abide by an absolute ban on alcohol consumption completely. And they can't suppress their occasional desire to assume alcohol. You have many, many people that are not triggered alco- to, to become alcoholics, and they could go by a dinner and have a wine here or there, a glass of wine here or there, and they don't, are not affected. So by you prohibiting them completely, it created a complete opposite result. It created that now that it's usser, now that there's a prohibition against alcohol, there's a heightened desire to drink alcohol. And many people that were law-abiding citizens till now, that occasionally had a harmless drink by, by supper, whatever it is, didn't, wasn't evil. But now that you made an actual ban on alcohol, they, think, they felt that that was intolerant. That was heavy-handed. That's intrusion by the government or by the police, out of touch with the reality of human nature. Basically, it was what we call in Chazal, it's a gzera that most tzibah cannot, cannot have. So therefore, what happened was, is these people, who normally took 
a drink here, a drink there, and they weren't affected by it. Now, because the government forbade it, they were fired up and they allowed themselves to, you know something? I'm going to start drinking more. And that led to disastrous, disastrous results. Or I'm going to, and it led to, by the way, and it's not just alcohol, the concept of gambling is this way, prostitution, narcotics, all these, they indulged more because of the excessive isser, because of the excessive prohibition. So that when you ban something completely, it has healthy people gravitating to it, and it backfires. And that is the idea. They're saying, basically, these men that used to drink occasionally a drink for dinner and it didn't affect them, but now they have a common sense argument. You authorities, you government, you're denying us even that? Then we're going to show you. And they drink more and it, 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 it basically backfired. So they meant well. The, the, the ones who created this prohibition, they meant well. But what happened was, is it paradoxically eroded the whole system, undermined the public obedience. They're not listening to the law anymore. And it became a rebellion. They became contempt. They had a contempt for the law. And transgression of the prohibition, short-sighted laws, inspired lawlessness in formerly law-abiding people. They're ready to fight it now. So what happened was, is... People that were not interested in drinking when uh, uh, that much, but when restricted, when you're restricting their right to it, they drank heavily now. And what happened was, is people began to, to disregard the whole legal system. They're saying, what's it worth? It created an atmosphere, this extra chumre yaseira, of banning alcohol outright, created a lawlessness, created a contempt for the law. You look at the history of it, it actually created an era in which there was already a structure of where organized crime could be born and nurtured. And you had that for many, many decades. And then even after prohibition was repealed, the lawlessness remained, the disregard for the legal system remained, and so on and so forth. So that is the concept of the dangers of outright forbidding things that are in human nature. This is the terrible mistake people make by having excessive humrus, excessive stringencies in these areas that backfires terribly. Now, we talked about alcohol. Now, even a more powerful desire than alcohol, a more fundamental desire in the human psyche is sexual desire. And because it's so powerful, many religions, many philosophies, many philosophical systems wanted to block the expression of sexual desire. And the Jewish view is different than that, very different from that, as we're going to explain. But the idea being is that for the world, the sexual aspects derives this capacity to entice and allure and excite and thrill is because of its very forbiddenness. 
That's what the Mishlei says. Mayim genuvim yimtaku. The more forbidden something is, the more enjoyable and desirable and attractive it is from the very fact that you're forbidden. So what happened was, is in the modern day society, people are obsessed with the sexual aspects. They constantly run after things that were prohibited. They reject laws that outright forbid sexuality. Or even if you are sexual, the marriage is bidiyevet, like many Christians believe. And there's a deep-seated guilt and shame. And they said, I don't want to have anything from this. I don't want to have anything to do with this. I don't want to have anything to do with a philosophy that demands an aesthetic denial and rejection of sexuality. So they reject it outright, and they become totally obsessed with sex. The Torah approach to sexuality is totally different. Number one is it prevents the concept of Taimadi Sura. It takes away this appetite to do forbidden things in most cases. And also, it turns this force into good. It turns negative into positive. It takes the sexual urge and promotes it in a way that it's the most healthiest expression. The one way to explain this is the Isser of Yafas Toyar and then the Heter of Yafas Toyar. A foreign woman in battle, taken captive, and the Torah allows it. You have to go through a procedure, cutting her hair, nails, sackcloth, mourning 30 days. This law is actually shocking in a way. You'll learn, learn it for the first time. The Torah is saying, I'm allowing a Jewish man at war to live with an alien woman that's normally forbidden, seriously forbidden in peaceful times, but in war, the Torah allows it. Why? So some of Farshim explained that the Torah recognized that because the like Keneged Yetzirah, like the Torah Keneged Yetzirah, that because it in wartime the Yetzirah is so strong, civilized behavior is set aside. By the way, that's why there's murder and torture. People do terrible, terrible things in war because the war is mutter everything. Now everything's mutter, and rape and so on and so forth. So the passions are uh, uh, the, the 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 holding back of it in the civil, civilized times, gets thrown out the window when there's war. So the Torah recognizes that if they would answer this, it would be ignored. So therefore the Torah allows this union under certain circumstances. Meaning the Torah really, as you see from Chazal, really doesn't, they don't want you to use this mitzvah. They would rather you not do this mitzvah. They would rather you reject the Yafas Torah. That's what the Torah really wants. But if you asset it, according to these Mepharshim, it would make the Yetzirah stronger and they would be over the Isser. So that's why the Torah, because it can't give you behaviors which cannot be obeyed or almost impossible to obey, so you see here where, where the Torah does allow it. A yesoid over here is also, according to some Farshim, that she's captured in the, in the battlefield. The 
Jewish person at war has a strong Yetzirah. There's a Tama de Isura here. It, it has extra flavor to him because of the fact that this woman is forbidden. So what, I sh- what the Torah did is place the Heter. Now again, you see from Chazal, the Torah does not want you to consummate this union. It prefers that you don't. But it recognizes, the Torah recognizes, that the very fact that she is forbidden will give her a tremendous appeal because it's usser, and it'll very strongly be a strong Yetzirah that it'll be very, very difficult to overcome. So, in an almost unbelievable way, the heter itself that the Torah gave for Yefas Toyar, the heter itself makes it more likely that this union will be prevented. Because you remove the Tama'i Surah from it. So the Torah is matter this man to be with this Eishas Yefas Toyar, not because the Torah wants that union per se, but because the Torah recognized that that union will happen in many cases if it remains usser. So we, he want, the Torah wants to prevent that union from taking place. So the Torah gives that heter and also says, remove the trappings of the beauty with the letting the hair, nails grow, wearing sackcloth, mourning for the family, takes away that glamour and appeal. She's different now. And now he could have a clear mind to decide whether this person is there. That now she has her nails and, uh, and, and, and all those things are gone. And now you see her in her vulnerable point. Do you still want her? Many times he, he will not. And he'll have to send her home. So you see the Torah basically in the Lidibrel Kenegad Yitzhahara removed the Nisayan Remove the Nisayan by creating this heter. And this is why extra stringencies in marriage pertaining to sexuality could very often backfire. And I have seen Bechush that it backfires terribly. If you obsess always with large mechitzes, with wiping out the woman's face in a magazine, you're basically, your head is always with women even as a kanoi against it, your mind is always on women. In the negative sense. Also unhealthy. So, that is the concept. If you have your wife 20 feet behind you, because it's not appropriate to be with your wife side by side, and you have her 20 feet in back of you, very likely you'll end up with a zaina right in front of your face. You put your wife in the back seat of the car, very often a prostitute will end up in the front seat of your car. Not always, but sometimes. It has to be done with a seichel and with the right hashkafis that in the world of the private home there needs to be a strong physical connection, not just spiritual and emotional, but physical connection between a husband and a wife. It's absolutely necessary and in an enhanced way. And any chumrah you ask people about, you ask a shayla, you really, really weigh it. A chumrah in these areas is just as dangerous, or even more dangerous, than a possible heter or leeway of worrying whether something is usser. The danger is on both sides.
It's not just on the heter side that if you indulge in a certain way, you'll slide down. That's, that could be the case, but that's not always the case. Very often the opposite is true. You place restriction upon restriction. Basically, you bust and the rubber band snaps. And then he goes down to Sha'el Tachdis and she too. And then they get exposed. The heck with everything. I can't get anything at home. So, here comes pornography. Here comes prostitution. Not just on the men's side, on the women's side too. It's very scary. So therefore, you have to be very, very careful with this, with these Chumri Yaseris, like we just explained. You have to allow, like by the Torah allowing the Fas Tayar. He brings other Rayas, fascinating, the story with the Azazel, right? The Ish Iti, there was a designated man who led the goat on the fast day of Yom Kippur, on the long journey that the goat gets pushed over the mountain, that, that Azazel goat. We're not going to get into the Halachis now. But the Mishnah in Yuma says, in Perak Vav, Mishnah Dalad and Mishnah Hay, that there were ten booths, ten places, way stations, where they would put food, and they would tell this person bringing this goat, here's food, here's drink. And they would tell him this. Why did they tell him this? To restore his strength. Now, it never happened. The Karban Eida in it says over there in the, in the Yerushalmi, but based on the Talmud Bavli and Yuma Daf Samach Zayin Aleph, that it never happened. The Ish Iti, that person never, never took up the offer to eat or drink. The answer is, is that what happened was, is by offering the food to him, because it was mutter, it created, there was a heter in that situation, because it was a level of Pagoch Nevesh, whatever the Gemaras are, I'm not going to get into the sugya there, that heter itself removed that Yetzahara. Removed that Yetzahara. That is a very, very important fact. Very often you could do this with certain tiny sivers, depending on the chinech and then the girls, whatever it is, that sometimes you, by placing this, that you know something, in your case, I'm not saying you do this always, you ask a rav, you figure it out, but in that case, um, if you're really not feeling well, you could break your fast. This knowledge that you can break your fast gives you the strength to continue the fast, because you know you could break it. Sometimes that's necessary, and in married life, that's absolutely necessary. Not to create these extra gedarim of isser that creates a strong yetzahara that ultimately you'll snap and it'll lead to terrible things. And that is the yisoid. And that is this a tremendous yisoid that just like kulais could bring to takalais, just like kulais could bring to terrible things, leniencies, stringencies, are at least equally dangerous, and in many cases even more so. And one has to be careful uh, before imposing on themselves these chumras. Brachas, bracha and atzlach.